Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Wolf Sports Show. It's now week 11 of the NFL season. So last week brought us into the second half of the year. Weather is looking like it's going to start becoming more of a factor now, which I personally like. Three to six feet of snow is expected in Buffalo this week. So I hope it isn't, but that game might be moved because of the travel issues. On Sunday, it's supposed to be fine in terms of snow, maybe some light snow, I guess. But the big thing is, I guess, safety and travel. And hopefully everyone in that area is staying safe. Four teams on a bye this week. We'll get to them first, then hit every matchup. We'll start with the Buccaneers, who got their second straight win. They beat the Seahawks in Munich, the first ever NFL game in Germany. The first touchdown in Germany was Tom Brady to Julio Jones, two future Hall of Famers, two of the greatest players ever. So that was pretty cool. And Jones looked healthy on that, looked really fast. So that's nice to see. And also Tom Brady is looking more like himself really since the fourth quarter comeback against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. And it helps in a major way that the run game got going with rookie Rashad White leading the way and Leonard Fournette also contributing. So that's big. That opens up the play action for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio, tight ends like Kate Otten. And then the Tampa Bay defense, they were challenged basically in the past two weeks. They've looked like the group that started the season and looked like an elite group. At 5-5, five and five, Tampa is somehow under the radar a bit. And I think they definitely have the ability to go on a run here. And the team they beat last week also on a bye as they returned from Germany too is the Seahawks. Tampa Bay did a really nice job of limiting Seattle's rushing attack led by Ken Walker. However, Geno Smith, he was facing, again, the Bucks defense playing extremely well now. And he made some tough throws. So it was another strong performance from Geno. If you're not bought in by now on Geno playing well this year, then you probably won't be. But he's clearly taking control of that offense and is doing a nice job. And with Seattle exceeding expectations from the outside this season. They'll now take the bye to regroup, recharge, and that'll help especially, I think, for the rookie class. That's been phenomenal for them. The Jaguars have a bye this week. They lost to the Chiefs by 10 in Week 10. But again, they showed good things. Christian Kirk caught two touchdowns, so he's looking like he was not overpaid with the way he's been performing this year. And Trevor Lawrence, for the second straight game, avoided interceptions and again showed the flashes that makes him very promising moving forward. I'd like to see more from the Jacksonville defense, and we'll see if they can get something going after the bye. The duo of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker have combined for just five and a half sacks this season, which is one of the more surprising developments of 2022. And I thought at least Allen maybe would get to that himself by this point. And the final team on the bye for week 11 is the Dolphins. We know what that passing attack can do with Tua, who is very underrated, but everyone seems to be coming around to him now. And the talk is that he's an MVP candidate with the Dolphins at 7-3 and three entering their bye. But the big story last week was, again, Jeff Wilson, the way he ran the ball, had over 100 yards, and Raheem Mostert complimenting him. The Browns' run defense has not been good at all, but it's still nice for the Dolphins to take advantage of that and show that they can win in a variety of ways on offense. 
and it helped with the way the offense ran the ball. It helped the Miami defense. Basically, the Dolphins just controlled the game. The Browns were somewhat effective when running, which you expect from Nick Chubb. And basically, with the way the Dolphins ran the ball, it took some pressure off the defense, which did a pretty good job against the Browns. And, I mean, they won by 22 points, so, you know, it was an all-around effort from everyone. Now to the Week 11 schedule, Thursday Night Football. This looked like one of the best games of the year in the preseason. Hopefully it remains that. The Packers have performed under expectations, but they were able to end their five-game losing streak and beat the Cowboys last week at home, and they'll stay home to host a really tough Titans team. It's going to be cold, typical Lambeau type of weather for later in the season, and we're getting it in the middle of November, which I guess is good news for the Packers. Two years ago, it was later in the year, but it was in the snow. Green Bay completely dominated the matchup. I don't think that'll happen again. This should be a close game. Mike Vrabel should get his guys ready to play. They're banged up, but should get healthier on defense. Jeffrey Simmons is expected to play after missing last week's tough win over the Broncos, in which the Titans were down a few key defenders. Denver again limited Derrick Henry, which somehow they've been able to do when seemingly nobody else can over the years. So look for the Titans to try to get Henry going tonight against the Packers. And for Green Bay, I would think they are going to want to get their run game, keep it going. Aaron Jones leading the way. And that helps open things up for everyone else. Second round rookie receiver Christian Watson had three touchdowns last week in a total coming out party against the Cowboys. Dallas really just couldn't stick him, and he was zooming by the defense and made big plays after a couple of early drops. So Aaron Rodgers might have trust in him now, and that's big. But I don't think the Packers should get too pass-happy, even though the Titans can be tough up front. I think they need to get Jones the ball a ton like they have been as they look to stay in the playoff race in a crowded NFC. And this should be a breath of fresh air a bit, the Titans-Packers matchup with some of the subpar Thursday games we've had this season. I'm hoping this is a good one. On Sunday, the Bears face the Falcons in Atlanta. Justin Fields from the area grew up a Falcons fan, says he grew up a big Julio Jones fan. Atlanta could have taken Fields last year in the draft, so there's something there. Maybe a chip on Fields' shoulder. And Fields, again, he's just doing incredible damage as a runner. Had, I think it was 147 yards on the ground and two touchdowns last week. Passing game remains somewhat limited. Did have a big touchdown to Cole Komet down the field, who was wide open off play action last week. But ultimately, it was a difficult loss to the Lions with the pick six late from Fields to Jeff Okuda. And I do like that Fields says he promised basically that'll never happen again in his career. So you like to hear that confidence in him learning from his mistakes. And Fields has basically been unstoppable as a runner, and that helps keep Chicago in games. A team that lost two key defenders in trades this year. So a lot is on Fields' plate to keep his team in games, and we'll see how he fares this weekend at Atlanta. For the Falcons, I think it showed last Thursday night, even against a below-average team like the Panthers, that their roster isn't quite where it needs to be. Playing on short week 
on the road. They just didn't really have quite enough, I don't think. Cordero Patterson wasn't heavily involved, might have still not been quite 100% coming back from the knee injury, despite his strong aim a week before, just a few days of rest. Made it more challenging, I'm sure. So we'll see if they can get him more involved as a runner for what's going to be a run-heavy attack as usual, I would think. And Marcus Mariota has been under heavy criticism because he played in primetime last week and people were watching, I guess, or at least watching the highlights on Twitter or whatever. But the critics are just a bit ridiculous. Mariota, he didn't play particularly well, but I think he was just trying to do too much at times. Like people cherry-picked the throw where he was sacked on the ground. Obviously, he was trying to basically throw it away as he's going to the ground, and he maybe should have just held it. But that was his intent, I'm sure. And people just love the hate and make themselves feel better about themselves, I guess. So I'm looking for a bounce back from Mariota to play more efficient like he has for much of the season. He's been a big reason, his experience, that the Falcons are in the playoff mix right now. And the formula for them remains efficient offense that runs the ball a lot to basically shorten gains for what's an undermanned roster. The Eagles face the Colts in Indy. Philadelphia coming off a loss to Washington, which was pretty surprising. The officiating wasn't good, as everyone saw. But Philadelphia, they just played a sloppy game. And it ultimately falls on them, the loss. And it might be a good thing. It might be somewhat of a wake-up call, I guess. And maybe relieve some pressure of trying to go and be in, which is really impossible to do. Uh, 50 years after the Dolphins, 72 Dolphins were the only team to do it, so they're celebrating again. The Eagles will be without Dallas Goddard for at least four games because of a shoulder injury. He's been placed on IR. That's a big loss considering how they use him. He had a touchdown last week on a nice uh, pop pass type thing where it looked like it was a run and Hurts just stopped and popped it to him over the middle. They'll miss him on the triple option type plays in the flat and like on corner outs and Really, they used him in a lot of ways. So we'll see how they adjust to make up for that. A.J. Brown was banged up with an ankle injury early on Monday night. I think he just had one catch, maybe two catches. But he says he's fine, and I'm looking for him to get a heavy dose of targets with Goddard out. And for the defense, I've said how the run D is a concern. And that showed against the commanders who were able to turn out yardage and stay in favorable third down situations and control the game. With Jordan Davis out, it's been difficult for the Eagles. But they signed Linval Joseph, former Pro Bowl defensive tackle, and he brings some size, some more size to the middle of the defense. And we'll see how quickly they can incorporate him. And it's somewhat surprising he's been unsigned for this long. And they might need him against the Colts team that looks re-energized with Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. Jonathan Taylor, healthy and coming off a AFC Offensive Player of the Week performance in the first game with Saturday leading the way, clearly based off the winner of the Raiders last week, which silenced some of the doubters a bit. The emphasis for Saturday is to, which is what I think it should have been the past two or three seasons, especially the past two years, past year and a half, whatever is to feed Jonathan Taylor every week, play to the defense, play to Taylor. Matt Ryan back at quarterback is huge. He's a big reason. They're at 4-5-1 and one right now and somewhat in the playoff mix. 
the way Ryan handled his surprising benching. Won a ton of respect from his teammates. And Quentin Nelson, all-pro guard, said himself that Ryan is like a guy they want to block for. So with improved offensive line play, Taylor getting the ball, I think this Saturday sort of experiment can go well. And we'll see if they can get an upset at home against the Eagles on Sunday. Jets face the Patriots, both coming off the bye, both played a few weeks ago. Not much needs to be said about this one. I think it'll be a defensive battle. It might come down to which quarterback takes care of the ball more. As Bill Belichick said, it'll probably be a similar matchup with some wrinkles thrown in on each side, making adjustments. It's hard not to like the Patriots playing at home this time in this matchup at, in Foxborough, but we'll see if the Jets can build on their upset win against the Bills. And New York is probably coming in this matchup, treating it similar to a playoff game. So it should be a close one and a good one. And as I said last week, I'm looking for New England to maybe get more explosive in the past game coming out of the bye and into the second half of the year. Commanders face the Texans. Talked about the Commanders running the ball, but Taylor Heineke's also playing really well. He's giving Terry McLaurin, who basically torched the Eagles secondary last week, opportunities to make plays, and he's coming through. Jahan Dotson is working his way back after he returned the lineup last week. Look for him to be more involved as he gets back into the swing of things. And the defense, it keeps showing improvement. The interior with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne has always been stout, but everyone around them is also stepping up. And they did a good job when they were on the field, which was somewhat limited because of how the offense was able to control things last Monday night. And it was a no-brainer to stick with Heineke at quarterback. The locker room, I'm sure they were fine with Carson Wentz too, but they would not have been happy with the streak that they're on if they made a quarterback change. So look for Heineke to remain at quarterback, at least until maybe they lose a couple of games in a row or something like that. And they face a Texans team still with just one win. Had a couple of key turnovers in the eight-point loss to the Giants last week. It's a team that's finding its way still under Nick Asario and the first year of Lovey Smith taking over as the head coach. It'd be big for them, though, to defend home field and get a win this week against a commander's squad that should be able to be beaten despite them playing well as of late. And we need to see a little more consistency, I think, from Davis Mills in year two with the Texans potentially thinking about adding another quarterback near the top or at the top of this year's draft. The Rams face the Saints in New Orleans, so not an easy place to play despite the Saints' struggles. Matthew Stafford will be back after missing last week due to the concussion protocol, but now all-pro receiver Cooper Cup is out at least for four weeks while on IR. But I would think a decent shot he's shut down for the season after a serious high ankle sprain that requires surgery. I think I saw he's thrown two touchdowns and several interceptions to people not named Cup in 2022. So he'll need guys around him to step up, need the offensive line to step up somehow. The Rams pay Allen Robinson a lot of money. I would like to see them target him heavily. Van Jefferson, now healthy, he should be heavily involved. Look for rookie running back Kyron Williams to become more and more of a factor down the stretch. Overall, the Rams are at 3-6, and six, have lost three straight, don't look anything like a defending Super Bowl champion. On the defense, Aaron Donald, who was neutralized by a Cardinals offensive line that was down four starters last week, 
and Jalen Ramsey. They just haven't made game-changing plays that you expect. I wasn't high on the Rams really all last season, despite them winning the championship, that I still contend was very poorly officiated at the end of the game with Logan Wilson's phantom holding call. But still, I didn't expect a fall like this. And it's been a tough year for Sean McVay's group. We'll see if they can show something and beat a Saints team that's also struggled and has been disappointing this year. Saints are also at the bottom of their division at 3-7 and seven they are. They're sticking with Andy Dalton for another week at quarterback, despite, I would think, heavy consideration going to Jameis Winston. I'm still going to say Taysom Hill needs to be more involved. I'll say it every week until it happens. And not just more involved, I think he should get a shot as a starting quarterback. I mean, he's not like super prolific as a passer, but he's done a nice job when he's been in there as the starting quarterback for the Saints. And I don't know what they have to lose at this point at 3-7, and seven, looking to get some type of jolt. And this is a spot against the struggling Rams offense and offensive line for the New Orleans defense under Dennis Allen to get something going and get a win and see where it goes from there. The Browns face the Bills. Talked about this at the top of the show, how they're expecting up to six feet of snow in Buffalo. So that's a difficult situation. And it sounds like there's a chance that the game has moved to Ford Field in Detroit, which makes sense. They've done that before. And the Bills play at the lines on Thanksgiving. So really, they could just go there and stay there until Thursday and play the lines. Of course, it'd be tough to lose the home field advantage that Highmark Stadium gives Buffalo. Though the Bills lost at home to the Vikings last week. That was heartbreaking for the Bills. After their defensive stop at the end of regulation, looked like they would kneel it, run out the clock, whatever. But they were pinned down at the one-yard line and the quarterback sneak. The quarterback center exchange didn't go well. And it was recovered by the Vikings for a touchdown which forced overtime and a bunch of loss by the Bills. And it looked like Buffalo was going downfield for at least a game-tying field goal in overtime and potentially the go-ahead game-winning touchdown on their possession. But Josh Allen threw a interception where he just forced it, and he's now had two interceptions in three straight games, which I did not think would happen for the rest of his career. He does play like Superman a lot of the time, but I think part of the issue with causing the recent turnovers is he feels maybe even too invincible. At certain points in the game, I expect him to rein that in and get that figured out and get the turnovers under control. And on the other side of the ball, the run defense has shown some issues. Allowed a long touchdown Dalvin Cook in the comeback by the Vikings last week. And they need to get it sorted quickly with the matchup against Nick Chubb and the Browns on Sunday. For Cleveland talked about their own run defense was really dreadful against the Dolphins. And if they don't sort out that and the defense overall, they'll have a tough time against the Bills and against almost anyone. The Panthers face the Ravens. A tough task for Baker Mayfield, who's back in the starting lineup because P.J. Walker is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And Walker did a nice job for Carolina when he's been in there this season. Again, showing he's one of the top backups in the league. But facing a Ravens team that's coming off the bye, playing at home, that's a big challenge for Carolina overall. Look for them to establish Deontay Foreman again at running back. He's done a lot of damage against the Falcons this year. 
but I think they're going to continue to ride him, use play action off the rushing attack, hope Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and the defense can make plays. And we'll see how they combat Jackson. And this could be a big one for Steve Wilkes as he looks to retain the full-time head coaching job. For Baltimore, they're healthier off the bye. Mark Andrews is expected to play, dealing with knee and shoulder injuries. Gus Edwards looks like he'll be back after missing a game with a hamstring injury. And the defense, again, last week I talked about Roquan Smith. will have the bye to get more acclimated to the defense. So we should see him flying around again this week against Mayfield and the Panthers. And the Ravens are the biggest favorites of the week by quite a bit. So we'll see if Wilkes can get his Panthers team to make it somewhat close. The Lions, who have won two straight, face the 7-2 Giants. I think this should be a close one. Giants are three-point favorites. Coming off the win over the Texans last week, Saquon Barkley had 35 carries, a career high. Defense forced a couple of big turnovers in their own territory. Again, as I've said before, the expectation was the Giants would be maybe a year away. That was their own expectation. They even said it. So for them to be 7-2 with the realistic shot to be 8-2 ahead of a Thanksgiving matchup against the Cowboys, I think that's pretty cool and speaks to the job that Brian Dayball has done in his first year as the head coach. And now there's even talk that the Giants are emerging as if not the favorites, serious suitors for Odo Buckham Jr., their former first-round pick receiver. And who knows, maybe the Giants-Cowboys matchup next week will be uh, Odo Buckham Jr. bowl of sorts as he looks to decide where he'll play this season. But for this week, the Lions, again, part of what makes this intriguing is both teams will be playing on Thanksgiving, so hopefully they're not looking ahead. The Lions will have to play Buffalo on Thanksgiving. But as stated, they're coming off two straight wins. Talked about the Akuta pick six. That was key last week. Defenses stepped up since the bye, as I laid out in previous shows. And DeAndre Swift hasn't even been that heavily involved on offense, as he's been banged up basically all season. So we'll see if he gets more users there. Lines were a playoff pick for me. They basically need a win this week, get to four and six to have any shot of a realistic playoff run. And now to the late afternoon window, Raiders face the Broncos. The AFC West was thought to be, I thought it would be very strong too. It was thought to be the best division in the league entering the season. That's definitely not been the case with both these teams struggling and the NFC East looking like clearly the best division. Every team, at least 500, Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants all pushing for best record in the league, really, for this Raiders-Broncos matchup. I don't even know. It's almost like which team isn't worse. Things are pretty bad for Vegas after they went to the playoffs last season. After their loss to the Colts last week, Derek Carr was emotional in the postgame presser and seemed to indicate that not everyone in the locker room is bought in. Haven't gotten what they expect to get from the pass rush, aside from Max Crosby. Owner Mark Davis has been firm in his commitment to Josh McDaniels as the head coach the rest of the season. And it also sounds like definitely next season too. And who knows if it's true with the way people report things today. But apparently there's cash issues for the Raiders that is preventing them from moving on from McDaniel's contract. Pretty much things can only go up from here for the Raiders. And I think they'll look to reestablish Josh Jacobs with the massive workload 
which led to success in the earlier part of the season. For the Broncos, similar disappointment after adding Russell Wilson in the offseason and Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. At least the defense remains one of the top units in the league. The offense simply hasn't held up its end. Looked like they were in somewhat control against the Titans last week. Then they just couldn't hold on to a narrow lead. Offense couldn't come through with more points in the end. And the loser of this one is going to be looking hard in the mirror, I would think, on Monday morning. The Cowboys face the Vikings. Shouldn't be one of the best games of the week for sure. It's in Minnesota. These two teams played in Minnesota last year. You might remember Dak Prescott was out. And Cooper Rush was at quarterback, and the Cowboys got an upset win, thanks in large part to the way the defense played. And they sort of need a similar formula this week with the defense not being quite as dominant the past couple of games as they were for most of the season. So they need to get on track. They're mad after last week. The shot of Mike McCarthy slamming his headset was instantly a classic meme and pretty hilarious. He was understandably frustrated with how some things went at Green Bay last week in his return to Lambeau Field. Officiating was very poor. Had the no call and what looked like a clear pass interference in overtime. And then the Packers got the ball, kicked the game-winning field goal. So brutal end to that game. I would expect them to be very determined facing a Vikings team that's riding high, getting that massive win over the Bills last week, the comeback win where officiating was also against them. I think it was the overtime drive where they settled for a field goal, I believe it was, that the Bills had 12 guys on the field on defense. Wasn't caught by the officials somehow. They still came out with a win, though, unlike the Cowboys. Two of the top teams in the conference mentioned Patrick Peterson's key interception last week. He's one of many veterans that's performing at a high level for the Vikings. And I think the previous regime of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman deserve a lot of credit for putting the team in position to be an instant contender under first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell. And that Justin Jefferson catch last week against the Bills, basically to keep them alive, was about as clutch as it gets in a regular season game. And Minnesota is definitely a team somewhat loaded with talent, as are the Cowboys. So this should be one of the games of the week. The final 425 game, the Bengals face the Steelers. We remember the first game of the season, week one. Steelers won it. The Bengals had a strong comeback effort, but a rusty Joe Burrow had four interceptions after not much practice time during training camp because of an appendectomy. He'll be motivated, but this is an intense rivalry. Steelers are going to have something to say about him wanting to bounce back in a major way. TJ Watt returned last week to the lineup. Just his presence alone is a major difference for Pittsburgh. They handled the Saints somewhat easily, 20 to 10 win, looking to build on that and stay in the playoff mix. Najee Harris neared 100 yards last week. The bye might have done him good. Kenny Pickett looked like he was confident firing passes, not putting up massive numbers or anything, but he can efficiently move the offense and just needs to avoid the turnovers that have plagued him. And Cincinnati is fully expected to be without Jamar Chase because of his hip injury. Word is they're hoping he's back next week against the Titans. The week after against the Chiefs might be more realistic, but we'll see. So Chase being out, that's certainly a difference maker in this one. 
On Sunday night, the Chiefs face the Chargers. Rematch of the thrilling Thursday night contest in week two, the first game exclusively on Prime Video. Kansas City ultimately won due in large part to a late pick six by rookie Jalen Watson on a play where Chargers tight end Gerald Everett was tired and tried to get out of the game and couldn't get out. The Chargers probably just didn't have enough firepower to beat the Niners last week. But the hope is that Mike Williams coming back from a high ankle sprain and Keenan Allen with a hamstring injury might both be back for this Sunday night. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have injuries at receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster is in the concussion protocol, looking doubtful for Sunday night. Michael Harmon missed last week with an abdomen injury, so he's looking iffy. And Marcus Valdez-Scaling is dealing with an illness. I would think he'll be able to play, but we'll see. But the usage of Kadarius Tony last week was very exciting. Scored his first touchdown for the Chiefs, his first NFL touchdown on a play where he caught near the sideline. Nobody was near him in the flat. And he was tiptoeing the sideline and hopped in all on one foot. And then he also had a catch where he was adjusting his gloves while waiting for the ball to come on like a high point throw on the sideline. So he's extremely comfortable with his new team right now and looking like a major steal to get him for a third down pick if he can stay on the field because he has Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball and Andy Reid as a coach with his talent level, what he can do with the ball in his hands. He can be a major factor long-term for Kansas City. And this should be, again, this one is one of the games of the week too. They seem to play close games like their early season matchup last year that the Chargers won. Mike Williams was clutch. And then the matchup talked about earlier this season. The Chargers, given Williams' success against Kansas City, they really need him in the lineup. And I would think he'll be out there after looking pretty good from what they showed in last week's pregame warm-ups. And then finally, the Niners faced the Cardinals on Monday Night Football in Mexico City, the final international game of this season. Arizona actually won both matchups last season, coming off the win over the Rams. Last week, they've been featured on Hornox, the in-season edition this year. The second episode was last night. A big noteworthy thing for me is the command Colt McCoy showed during the episode when it became reality that he was going to start because Kyler Murray's dealing with a hamstring injury. And you could tell how much command McCoy has in wanting his receivers to be in the right spot, knowing how to get rid of the ball quickly and get it to his playmakers like Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. AJ Green had a nice touchdown catch last week. And it was funny on the sidelines, some Cardinals defenders were talking about how quickly McCoy gets rid of the ball and how it can be so aggravating as a defender to deal with that. So he'll, he'll move the ball. Beat the Niners last season. McCoy did. He was under center when Murray missed the game. This is a neutral site, but Niners fans are expected to dominate in Mexico. So it'll be a road environment for Arizona, but they do better on the road under Kingsbury anyway. So that's something to note too. Niners are eight and a half point favorites for this one. They got Elijah Mitchell back last Sunday night to compliment Christian McCaffrey. And they both ran well. Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball a ton, so that's big to have a one-two punch again after trading Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins. 
defense did a nice job of containing Austin Eckler. Jimmy Garoppolo, while he didn't throw any touchdowns, he didn't really need to. He avoided interceptions again. He's played well against the Cardinals throughout his career. And after losing twice to the Cardinals last season, I expect the defense and the entire team to be fired up to stay on track and get a win on Monday night. So that'll do it for this episode of the Wolf Sports Show. Again, hit all 32 teams. I'm liking this schedule this week. Again, thankfully, looks like a really good Thursday night game to start the week, despite the Packers' struggles for much of the season. Good Sunday slate capped by Chiefs Chargers on Sunday night. And then the final international game of the week in Mexico, the Niners facing the Cardinals in a divisional battle. So enjoy all these games. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week.